It would be safe to say that so many of us live life on autopilot, eat, sleep, work, repeat. We know that we want more out of life, but with everything we have going on and our constant drive to make everyone around us happy, it can be so easy to let our passions drift. And then when we compare our lives to what others are living, we can often feel like we just don't match up. It can just feel easier to carry on living the way we always have, rather than putting our heads above the parapet and finding the things in life which really make us tick. So I'm delighted today to be joined by Natalie Walker-Brimble. In her new book, I'm Happy When Everyone Else Is Happy and Other Lies I Told Myself, she explores the myths and stereotypes around what women should be doing and looks at 15 ways in which we're holding ourselves back from living our full potential. This episode is about getting you totally fired up and excited to discover your own passions and motivations and to start living the life that you've always dreamt of. Welcome to the Busy Woman's Guide to Fitness and Wellness podcast, bringing you a weekly dose of fitness and wellness inspiration as we explore together how to get motivated and create a realistic and achievable way to stay active within a busy life while stepping away from guilt and the diet roller coaster for good. Together, we'll unpack some of the myths and unhelpful messages from the traditional fitness and diet industry so that you can find a better, kinder, more helpful way to fit exercise and wellness strategies into your life, improve your confidence and feel amazing. I'm your host, women's fitness and wellbeing coach, Alex Hubble, founder of ChickFit, mum of two, and a firm believer that exercise and eating well can go hand in hand with chocolate, wine, and lots of rest to create a happy life. You can find out more about me at chickfit.co.uk or head to my social media channels at alexchickfit. Welcome back to the podcast and to another fabulous interview episode. I'm so excited today to be joined by Natalie, who is a writer, a podcaster, a coach, to talk all about the ways in which we can reach our full potential. I think particularly over the last year or so, we've all had cause to maybe take a step back, examine what we're doing with our lives and whether it's making us truly happy. You know, we've had that space to move away from usual daily comings and goings and hopefully think about making some positive life changes going forward. But I know that sometimes, even though we might know we want to change, it's not always that easy to figure out what that change might be or how we're going to go about it. So today with Natalie... I really want to dive into this and find out a bit more about how we can all discover exactly how we can make those positive changes. So hi, Natalie, welcome to the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be on today. Good. I'm really excited about this. So I think that, you know, what we're talking about today is really, really big for me. You know, I consider myself incredibly lucky to have discovered something that I'm really passionate about and to be in a position to actually make a career out of it. But this is actually my second career. So I worked in advertising for 10 years to begin with. And while I loved it at first, there did come a point where I realised that I just didn't have the passion for it anymore and it felt really draining. Um, That's when I took my personal training qualification and that has turned into the business that I have now. But, you know, I know when I talk to a lot of women that one thing they say is that they would love the chance to be able to do something like that, but they struggle to find what their passion actually is. So whether that's in their career or in their life in general. So what advice would you give to somebody who is struggling to find that passion? It's a really good question. I think it starts with allowing ourselves to find it because I think so much as parents and especially as women we feel like oh that's for someone else that is finding our passion Mm -hmm. that's that's great if that's I don't know someone who's got someone who doesn't look like me you know everyone thinks 
someone else will find that for me. But I think it's allowing ourselves just to consider it. And more than that, just to sit there for a few minutes and dream. What does that mm. actually look like? Because we're so, oh no, we couldn't do that. Oh, but yeah, but what about the kids? Oh no, we couldn't do that because, oh, I couldn't possibly. What was so and so say? And all of a sudden we've talked ourselves out of it. So if you were to sit there just for a few moments, picture your ideal life, what would that look like? Because we need to remember who we are. Usually we're striving, we're hustling, we're looking for more, more, more. We're busy, successful women. And we're always mm-hmm. on the lookout for growth and to move forward. And so, so much of our time is spent striving that we forget who we are at our core. And like you said brilliantly in your intro about COVID is that it's given us the space. And for some people, that space mm-hmm. was really difficult because it forced us to come off the treadmill. And sometimes the treadmill stops us from really evaluating what it is that brings us joy. Mm. And when was the last time any of us ever thought, oh, actually, what makes me happy? What mm. actually, when I sit down and think about it, what brings me joy? Is it the coffee shop when I go into the coffee shop? Could that be something around your passion? Because sometimes we think it's got to be this high flying version of ourselves and our measurement of success, I think, is warped and how we measure that. So I think it's remembering who we are and I think it's remembering Mm -hmm. that our version of success might look very very different to the person next to us and that is supposed to happen (laughs) we're not all supposed to do the same thing we've all been given different gifts I think it's remembering what brings you joy and also what you're good at and just because you're good at people in a banking job doesn't mean you couldn't be good at people in a coaching or a at any different role I think it's just finding out and remembering what you're good at because we get so bogged down that we forget and we don't give ourselves time to just dream and for me mm. that's a big part of just remembering why we're here mm. why we are put here because it's certainly not to be sat at laptops all the time and it's certainly not to be in this cycle of eat work sleep repeat I think we are worthy and we're worth a heck of a lot more than that if we just allow ourselves to feel it for a few moments Yeah, I think that's so big, isn't it? That we come up with all sorts of excuses for why we can't do something, we can't find that passion or we can't do something passionate about. So that's brilliant advice. So I know that in your book, you talk about 15 ways in which you hold yourself or in which we hold ourselves back. And Mm -hmm. you kind of started to cover that actually in the last question. But if you had to choose just a couple of those things that we could really all do with letting go of, what Mm. what do you think they would be? This is a really good question. So when I was, I, the book started off as a, a cathartic thing, really. I was writing for my own experience and putting my own experiences down. And then when I was coaching women and also teenagers, I was thinking, we've all got these same things. These same themes kept coming up and it became the 15 reasons. Mm. One of the biggest ones for me is the thought that I must be happy all the time, that I must be utter joy at all <laughs> times. And I think we're so used to seeing on social media and fed by society's images of these perfect people in in perfect lives. And we feel like, well, I cannot be good enough if I don't fit into the stereotype. And for me, I think it's remembering that life is full of ups and downs and some Mm. days are full of joy and sometimes they're not. And sometimes we struggle to get out of bed and remember what our names are. And I think it's allowing ourselves that space to recognize that we all go through those peaks and troughs and it will come back around. So for me, Obviously, I go into a lot more detail about that. But for me, that is a big one. Recognising that it's okay not to be okay sometimes. That we have sometimes just got to 
just accept what it is. Yeah. And tomorrow is another day <laughs> and we will try again tomorrow. Another big one for me was showing vulnerability is a weakness. And I used to think this, this is kind of what I was, you know, what I really thought was, oh, no, I can't let them see that I haven't quite got my game or any of those, you know, those things, particularly in a work scenario. And when I started to see that, actually, if I just let my vulnerability in a little bit, even if it was five or 10 percent, the connections I could get with people and real connections just made everything so much more rich. And it just made my life more I don't know quite what the words, but it was just more well-rounded. And I just felt like I was connected to people rather than putting up a barrier. Um, And I think we've been conditioned to believe that we're an island and we just do this, but we're also connected in so many ways. And the more I was able to allow that vulnerability in, just gave my my changed my life quite a lot and I still get that those times of vulnerability like at the moment and going through the process of putting out that book it does feel very raw and very vulnerable and I do love the work of Brene Brown so I'm able to go back to that and be like okay mm. I've got this Brene let's get a Brene quote on my phone for today because I need that reminder <laughs> that vulnerability is okay and the the courage that comes with that and if we could just let people see in a little bit because I think we're so used to print on a version of ourselves that it's really scary then to show the realist and I there's a Japanese fable that says we've got three faces the face we show to ourselves the face we show to our families and the face we show to friends and by showing the face of ourselves out gosh that's vulnerable and that takes real courage mm. but it's where it's where the the life is worth living for me so that that they're my two my two big ones I would say yeah, and I, I think, you know, I so agree on that vulnerability thing, you know. I think that, you know, it ties in with something I was talking about in one of my episodes the other week where, you know, I was saying that, you know, we all think that we need to be, you know, if we're doing workouts, we need to work out five times a week every single week or else what's the point? It's not worth it. And the minute you do one workout a week, you start to think, oh, God, you know, I've, I've let myself down. That's yeah. rubbish. Everybody else is doing it. Why can't I do it? And actually... When I talk in my social media, you know, when I do posts there where I've talked about the fact that sometimes I don't do workouts, sometimes I don't feel like doing workouts, sometimes I can't be bothered. Yeah. And they're the ones that people resonate with because they're like, oh, well, if she feels it as well, then maybe I can too. And I think that's, I think that is the other side of that coin is that if you can admit to your vulnerabilities, and if somebody in my position who would appear to have it all together is saying, actually, I don't, then suddenly it makes other people feel better and it feels makes them feel better about those vulnerabilities that they've got. Yeah, because it makes it re- we relate to our humanness. Mm. We relate to our who we are at our core and all those. We think, oh, my gosh, it's not just me. You know, it's not just me. We've, we feel like, oh, we, we bonded yeah. in some way. And it allows other people to really sometimes see their fears through you and think, oh, well, actually, it's not that bad then because they've done it. And it can open up a whole a whole different discussion for a lot of people. Mm, yeah, for sure. Definitely. And I think one of the other um, interesting things you talk about is people pleasing. And I think I think most women can relate to this. I don't think there are many women out there who could say that they're not people pleasers. I think most of us are to an extent. And I know I definitely am. I want to keep everyone happy. I want to, you know, give everybody the best experience. I want everybody to think that, I, you know, I've given them my very best. But that can be really wearing, I think. And I was just wondering how you kind of find that that shows up and what are maybe some of the steps that we can take to 
to reform ourselves and to stop trying to people please all the time. <laughs> it's a very difficult thing. And I think, like you said, it's innate in a lot of us because we are conditioned in a certain way, especially as women, that we put other needs before our own and that we you know we want everyone to be happy. Hence why my book is called Unhappy When Everyone Else Is Happy. Another lies I told mm. myself because I truly believe that. And I can remember going to therapy and so she said, the therapist said to me, what makes you happy? And I said, well, everyone else is happy. And I really felt that. And it was only at the time I thought, oh, I'm in trouble. Because mm-hmm. the people pleasing and the saying yes wears us down until we've got nothing left to give. And until actually we start to feel very resentful towards people because we feel like actually they're either taking advantage of us or we've got we've got no life left. We don't even know who we are underneath the people pleasing because we're so used to saying yes and I I say like I'm a reformed yesaholic because that's all I would do and the guilt feeling when I said no felt too much it was Mm. too big and I think for me it is getting comfortable saying no to small things so even if it is um a coffee date with a friend and it we don't even have to say the word no. I've reframed my no to make myself feel better and less guilty. So I might say nothing. I can't do that at the moment, but I could do another time. I'll let you know when I'm free. So the onus is on me rather than them. So I've tried to reframe that. And I've tried to say no to small things mm. that when it comes to the bigger things, I feel more confident to do it. And I would say be really gentle with yourself because people are used to you saying yes. So all of a sudden, when you show up saying no, they're not used to it. And they think, what, what do you mean? No, what, what? <laughs> you're, you're the one they used to go into. You're the reliable one. You're the one that they're always used to go to you. And then I think for me, when I really started to question this was about to say, who are the ones that I go to when I meet someone? Are they the same people that, that need me? Does this measure mm-hmm. up? Is the equation the same? And when it's not, I think the no becomes much easier when we recognise that. And I talk about radiators and drainers in our lives. So if you think of the people in your life, are they radiators? Do they light you up? Do they bring you joy? Or are they drainers? Do they deplete you? And do they take things away from you? And I think it's really important to consider those people in your lives and Mm. then consider your no. Yeah, that's a really interesting way to think about it, actually. And I think... You also talk about a lot about the myths around what women should be doing. I think, you know, I think saying yes to everything and people pleasing is one of those, like keep everyone happy. That's what we're here for. Mm. Oh my Um, gosh. Yeah. And I'm, you know, I'm really big on this because, you know, I, I tend to find that a lot of my clients, for example, will hold themselves back because they feel guilty for spending time on themselves. They see exercise as being this frivolous thing that they want to do but they feel bad about doing it because it takes them away from the family it takes them away from doing something else for the family possibly put ourselves first yeah yeah absolutely and and it's one of the reasons that people don't get frustrated with themselves they then get cross with themselves because they're not doing the things that they would love to do because they feel guilty for doing that so how can we start to unpack some of that how can we start to um, but I think you've probably already started to cover this a little bit, but how do we start to let go of some of the shoulds in our lives, do you think? We very quickly get ourselves into like a guilt cycle because we say yes, then we feel guilty because we haven't done what we want to really do. Then we feel resentful. Then if we're so used to this guilt cycle, we can add in some anxiety and we can add in some maybe, you know, other mental health issues because we're so 
we've got nothing left to give mm-hmm. and we just put ourselves at the bottom of the pile and it just becomes this cycle and cycle and to the point where we get so resentful or something's got to happen or we become ill or we've got to have some unfortunately have some life fix something that, that happens to make us force ourselves into taking action which is really sad and I think for me it's really recognizing where your shoulds are Okay, because we've all got them. We've all had got family shoulds, society shoulds, social media shoulds. We've got all these the digital life as well as everything else where we feel we've got to show up and we compare ourselves and we've got to be seen, you know, and we've got to keep up with our expectations of good enough. Because deep down, the reason why we all do what we do is because we fear that we're not good enough in some way. We don't measure up. So we push harder. We go to the gym more. We do all these things when we're not really looking at who we are. We're not really looking at where those shoulds come from, because actually, if we unpack that a little bit, we will start to realise that we've inherited these shoulds. They're not even ours. This blueprint has been handed to us and we've agreed. We just take it on and we feel like a square peg in a round hole. And we Mm. think, oh, my goodness, why am I saying yes to these things? This is not this is not my life. Like if you think back to the first question we were talking about, like dreaming about your life, these two don't marry up. Like what I'm doing now. And I'm in control of this. And I think when we start to realise, actually, I have the power to change this around very slowly. I'm not suggesting anyone does major life changes going, you know, starts backpacking to Bali or anything, although that would be lovely. But mm. I think the small steps we can take just to recognise that we've, we're taking on someone else's. It could be that critical voice in our head could be our parents or it could be someone who bullied us when we were in primary school. We've all got these little things that push us, push us, push us until we just stop and we consider actually which one of these do I want to do because my big realization really came with motherhood for me when I discovered actually I don't want to be the mum that goes to PTA and when I I had three children and first of all I thought I really have to be this certain parent and I've got to you know present a certain way and it's got to be you know white picket fence and this is how I'm going to do motherhood and then I realized that actually that was not going to work for me and I really had to redesign what it what that felt for me and that caused a lot of guilt to start with because I felt like I wasn't measuring up this is my example I suppose of where my cycle came in mm-hmm. and then I would compare myself a little bit and think well if they can do it everything must be great and then as I started to learn a lot more about human behavior and the psychology and society of what we've been handed I recognized that I've just got to let go of the blueprint and I've got to create my own. And that is where my personal kind of voyage with this really started was with that really being a mother and almost being a martyr with it, I suppose. Yeah, I think that that is really true, isn't it? We, we don't recognise it, we're not sitting there thinking we are martyrs, but we are. That is exactly what we're being because we're trying to be all things to all people and and suffering as a result and running around stressed and, you know, wondering why life doesn't feel like we wanted it to, I guess. And I think that that also leads on to thinking about the, the whole comparisonitis thing is that we're all guilty of this. And I do, I flick through Instagram, I think, oh God, why am I not doing that? Why am I not doing that? Why am I not doing that? And you know, I, I think often when when we see other people achieving stuff and doing amazing things, sometimes it can actually put us off because we look at that and we think, like you said before, we look at that and we think, well, I can't do that. I'm never going to live up to that. And so we end up comparing ourselves 
negatively to everything that we see around us and thinking that everybody else has got it sorted, everybody else is doing something better, everybody else deserves it because of X, Y, and Z. And but I also know that it's really difficult to take ourselves away from a place where we are comparing ourselves. So what are your top tips on, on starting to change that? I love the comparison trap. It's one of my favorite topics. And mm-hmm. I think you're right. We've got, you know, private lives and we've got digital lives now as well that we've got to kind of make work. And, we, you know, we, sometimes we have to show up for our businesses or whatever that looks like sometimes because it'd be really nice to say, well, just get off social media. I read, you know, read this book about, you know, getting off social media and I love the concept, but I just, I just couldn't do it for the reason I need to be in groups for my children's clubs and things like that. And I just thought, this is really strange. And I'm very aware of the roasting to glasses version of reality that social media paints, yet we all do it. <laughs> we all know yeah. that that, because sometimes they can be our friends and our family and they post and things and you think, I know that's not true because I was talking to you yesterday and you're actually not in a great place, but on <laughs> social media. So we know, yeah. like, even with our like, news and news, we know this happens, but it's very difficult. And I think we, again, we have to be very, very honest with ourselves about what's in our feed and who is affecting us. Because you might think, oh, that person's so positive on there. They could be the most positive person in the world, but if it's making you feel negative, they really Mm. need to be removed. And I think that is the difference that we need to make. But also I think it's worth just saying, what boundaries can I set for social media? So I really tried to kind of go off of an evening and set myself a time limit because you know, on an Apple phone, when you can see how much time you spent on social media, that's scary. It is, yeah. I'm in my week and I look at it and I think, oh my goodness, the things I could have done and I can say oh, it's for work. And some of it is, but a lot of it is not, if I'm being really honest, Alex. And mm-hmm. I think for me, I need to set a timer because I know I feel better when I'm not. Because it's really easy when we're feeling like disassociated and we're just not sure what's going on. We're feeling overwhelmed, we're not over the place. We can just scroll. Like we've got this other world to go to. We haven't got to do this world a minute because it's a bit overwhelmed. There's much going on and I just can't adult a minute. I just, so I'll scroll and then they'll make me feel bad. So then I'll feel guilty. Then I'll compare. And it's just this constant roller coaster. We just have to get off it. We just have to set ourselves yeah. a boundary about what that looks like and actually how that makes us feel. So do a, just tell friends, I'm not going to be on social media from Friday to Sunday. See how that feels. Do 24 hours about social media. See how it makes you feel. Does it impact mm-hmm. you in a positive way? Because we're more connected than ever before in terms of social media, yet we've never been so disconnected in terms of our humanness and our connectivity with other people on a deeper level see what it does see what your presence away from social media does to your family and does to your mm. how, to your personality how you feel about yourself I will promise you it'll be a positive thing difficult it is and I'm the worst so I hold my hands up and it's very difficult <laughs> but even if you took a 24-hour break and just just as an experiment do as an experiment do a journal how you feel when you start 24 hours off how you finish have you got that nervous anxiety that oh my gosh am I missing out on something if you've got the fear of missing out or is there more to it? Where are we finding that we're comparing? Or is it more than that? We're really mm. feeling like our digital world is taking over our reality. And that's maybe a different conversation. But yeah, see what 24 hours does and then report back. I'd be mm. so interested to find out. So to wrap up then, what would be your one biggest piece of advice for how we can all start to live our full potential? That is such a good question. I think it would be to really own who you are unapologetically. So there's 8 billion people on this planet. 
and one of you. And I think that alone makes you incredibly special. And I think it's okay to have confidence and just to know who we really are and just be happy with that and just live our lives free to complete that just for us. Amazing. This has been so, so brilliant, Natalie. Um, So many little gems in there and little things to get the old cogs turning, I think. If you want to find out more about Natalie, you can head to nwb-coaching.com. You can also catch her podcast. So that got me thinking. And of course, if you want to dive deeper into some of what we've spoken about today, you can go and buy her book, I'm Happy When Everyone Else Is Happy and Other Lies. I told myself... And you can find all of the links for those things in the show notes. So thank you so much for joining me today, Natalie. I think wherever we are in our journey, this is all really, really helpful. And I know from personal experience that even when you have found your passion, there can still be a lot of work to do around it. And this has given me loads of things to think about. For all of you guys out there, I hope you've got some great insight and feel fired up to go and start making those changes. I'd love to know what you think about it all. Um, And again, you can check all of the links to find out about Natalie in those show notes. Thank you so much for joining me again. And I'm going to look forward to all again next time. Thank you so much for joining me today for the Busy Woman's Guide to Fitness and Wellness. Don't forget to come over and join me on my social media channels at Alex Chickfit for plenty more inspiration.